My husband just found out something new about me, which is great. After all these long four years that we've been together, <laughs> he found out that I had a dog when I was a child called Scamp. I wasn't a child called Scamp. The dog was called Scamp. And a rabbit called Big Ears. But I was allergic to the rabbit, so that was a problem. Anyway, Joe's only just found out something new about me. Isn't that great? So my first line on my notes this morning is introduce myself. Uh, and as I look around, there may be some people who don't know me. Hi, Jen. <laughs> uh, my name's Ruth Jives. I'm not Ruth Kelly. That's on that note, even though I am wife of Joe Kelly. So, <laughs> um, And I am uh, one of the lay readers here in Holy Trinity, and I work on staff as well as with the 10 o'clock congregation as the lay assistant pastor which is a wonderful title, but basically I go around and do all the visits and plan things for the members, the older members of that congregation, which is great fun. Been doing it for a year now, almost, in September, and it's really good, really rewarding, um, and lots of ideas bubbling up for the next year, which is great as well. Um, <clears throat> and it, it might not be noticeable, but we're just back from holidays, and I, I don't know how you'd notice that, probably from Joe's great tan. Um, so we've been in, in lovely Spain. We have our Spanish friends here with us today. Uh, we've been in Spain for the last four weeks uh, with family and some friends uh, on and off at different stages, which has been wonderful. But it's great to be home and delighted to be back this morning. So my usual platform for preaching is up there <laughs> uh, at the early service. So uh, I'm delighted to be able to come and give an extended version of this morning's sermon uh, at the 10 o'clock for you today. So that's a wonderful introduction. Um, uh, and of course, uh, it's great to, it's lovely to stand in front of people who I know uh, and people who are newer to me um, and just to share the word of God with you, which is a real privilege and an absolute pleasure. This morning, we are following on on a series that's been going on here the last few weeks. Can I ask, has, have people been around? Has anybody been here for the last four weeks every single Sunday? Chloe wins the medal. Ah, and Zoe. <laughs> um, well, you'll know that we've been, there's been a series going through, and it's called Travelling Companions. I keep calling it Companions on the Journey, but it's Journeying with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke. And Scott Evans introduced the series uh, about four weeks ago uh, with a great talk. All the talks uh, are up online, apart from Jacob's talk last week. Um, they say it was for technical reasons, Jacob, but I'm just not sure you were quite up to it. <laughs> <laughs> you paid the money, did you? Not to put it up online. But to be quite honest, while we were away, I actually listened to the talks that were available, and they are well worth listening to, um, particularly as we journey through the summer months when things tend to be taken at a, a different pace. So basically what the series is about is Jesus was traveling from Galilee, which is going to come up there now in a second, is it? Yes. He was traveling. He, he lived his his kind of later life up in Capernaum there at the top. And he was traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem where he was going to, he was going to, to die. That was where he was going to meet his, his crucifixion. And all these stories through Luke that we've been looking at are different things that happened along the way. Um, and we had, uh, Scott spoke on the story of Jesus healing the demon-possessed man and his talk was entitled Asking Jesus to Leave well worth a listen to. And then Scott Hill had a, a double whammy. He spoke for two weeks, um, and his, Scott's here, isn't he? Oh, he's with the children. 
Um, but his talks, he, he talked about our call to wholehearted commitment and then our call to, to go out and basically to live the gospel in our daily lives. Excellent talks. And then last week, sp Jacob spoke on the Good Samaritan. And I'm sure anybody here last week? Excellent. So you can probably all nod your heads and say it was a great talk. <laughs> See, Jacob, well done. <laughs> um, so th it, that story would have happened in around the area of Samaria. And um, the Samaritans were not the most popular people uh, around. So there were different stories that happened along, that, along the way through that. One of them was meeting the Samaritan woman at the well, if you remember that, at the, in the middle of the day when Jesus met the woman at the well. So this week, um, the talk is about our call to choose the better part. And it's talking about breaking out of the mold of perceived expectation and to be what he wants us to be. And our talk is based around the story of Mary and Martha, which I'm going to read to you. Five short verses. I never thought there was so much you could get out of five verses, but it's amazing. Um, so let me read the passage to you. It's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And it says this. Now, as they were on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. So I apologize for no, uh, no more uh, overheads. What are they called nowadays? Uh, PowerPoint. <laughs> Sorry, I live in the days of acetates, if anybody remembers those. Uh, we've no more PowerPoints because I, to be honest with you, just coming home from holidays yesterday, I just didn't have time. When we were away on holidays, now, I got into serious trouble this morning for telling this story in the way that I did. So just in case you're sensitive, bear in mind that it's told tongue-in-cheek. And if Joe Kelly gets up to walk out, Andrew, would you just block him at the door? So while we were away on holidays... Uh, we had the first week, we were away for four weeks. We had the first week on our own. Then we had family joined us for weeks two and three. And then we had uh, some friends for a long weekend. And we had last week on our own, which was just great. Brilliant holiday. So the first week, we were all gung-ho. We're going to rest. We're going to relax. Um, we got up every morning. We had our breakfast. We had time to sort of sit. I mean, this sounds like bliss to me, but we had time to sit, to, you know, pray together, um, we, we go off individually and do our little morning Bible readings and this started with great gusto for the first few days until the family arrived and then things kind of got a little bit hectic. So I found myself uh, one morning because I'd been praying, I knew I was going to be preaching today, so I'd been praying that the Lord would just show me uh, what I might say and what the best way to present this little story today was or is, would be. So what I found one morning, as God often does, I was buzzing around the kitchen and I'd got the breakfast ready and uh, I think we might have even had our breakfast and all the dishes were back in the kitchen and I was, you know, cleaning up, loading up the dishwasher and thinking, right, now I'll go get my sun cream. And I was kind of thinking, you know, where is Joe? And I found Joe was actually sitting outside with his ear plug, ear 
buds in, reading his Bible, doing his morning Bible study. And I was like, it's all very well for him now. He has the time to sit out there while I'm loading dishwashers and preparing for the next round of sunbathing and filling water bottles and things like that. And I found myself getting a bit kind of antsy about it. So that was, yeah, that was just one of those things. I didn't tell him about that. So actually this morning when he heard that from the pulpit with everybody sitting there, that was the first time. And he came to me afterwards going, oh, darling, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was upsetting you. Also tongue in cheek, by the way. <laughs> but it fit perfectly in with today's story, as you can see. Um, I'm just going to put that down there because otherwise I won't be able to turn my pages. So I can identify with both women in this story. I can identify with Martha, with all her bustling around and cleaning up, but I can also identify with Mary having that desire to sit at Jesus' feet. So if you can picture the scene in this home, Jesus had come to this home uh, with his followers. And I mean, I don't know what it'd be like for you if there was a knock on the door and Jesus was there and suddenly you were kind of, oh, I have to prepare a meal. He's got a clatter of people following around after him. Um, and, but having that conflict of actually wanting to sit and hear what he has to say. When I first, well, I was going to say when I first heard this, I can't remember when I first heard it, but I always felt that it was like a surprise visit. But actually, Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus were well acquainted with Jesus. They knew who he was. If you remember some of the stories, uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus um, lived in Bethany, and Jesus was, I think, fairly good friends with them. Uh, Martha had run out to, to Jesus to tell him, Mary and Martha had run out to Jesus to tell him that their brother had died. And when Jesus heard the news that their brother Lazarus had died, he wept. That's, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible. I think it's in Matthew somewhere where it says Jesus wept. Um, so that was why he wept. He wept because his friend had died. Um, and then he went and he raised him from the dead, which was pretty wonderful. That's a whole story in itself, of course. Um, but Mary was also the woman that we find in John. She was the woman that John talks about that sat at Jesus' feet, poured the perfume over him, and wiped, wiped it off with her hair. Remember that story? A few nods. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Just want to make sure you're still there. Um, so Jesus knew them well. Um, and had a good, close relationship with them. So I don't know about you, but I actually enjoy entertaining. I enjoy the whole thing of having people over, deciding what I'm going to cook, doing the shopping, doing the preparations, sending Joe to clean the house. <laughs> uh, but doing all that, I enjoy sitting down, I enjoy sharing food with people, I enjoy conversation over dinner, and oddly enough, I confess I actually enjoy the clearing up afterwards. I love that moment when your visitors are all gone and everything's cleared up and you just sit down and go, <sighs> lovely to have them, but it's also nice when they leave and everything is done. So, Scripture tells us to do everything without grumbling and complaining. And in Romans 12, verse, verses 6 to 8, it tells us that we have different gifts. And it talks about, you know, if your gift is prophecy, then prophesy. If your gift is serving, then serve, um, specifically in verse 7. So I'm not sure that every time I prepare a meal or sit down and entertain people, I'm conscious of, of doing this as unto the Lord, uh, but it is something I enjoy anyway. And I am serving willingly and without complaint. 
However, if I knew that Jesus com was coming to sit in my sitting room, I don't know if I'd want to be busying myself around the kitchen preparing the food. I think we'd be having, you know, toast that night. Because um, I would want to sit and listen to what Jesus has to say. But there are several different ways of viewing these short five verses. And before I go really into that, I want to try and set it into context for us. As I said earlier, Jesus was on his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. Um, and much, you know, the narrative of Luke, it, the stories aren't always in, in order. Because this particular story, I believe, is actually probably one of the final stories before he, we hear of him going to the Mount of Olives. Um, and if you know the layout of the land uh, around Jerusalem, you've got Jerusalem, then you've got the valley, and up onto the Mount of Olives. But over the other side of that mountain is Bethany. So all he was going to do was come across the mountain to the Mount of Olives and then make his way further into Jerusalem. Um, so why Luke? I, I, I seem to think that Luke is there recounting these stories and as they pop into his head, he's, he's putting them down. So sometimes they're a little bit uh, out of sequence. But he was almost there. He had spent time in, in Bethany during his ministry. Um, and as I say, he was fond of this particular family. But another thing that's helpful as we look at the story is to, to look at the customs at the time. In a first century Jewish household such as this, it was the women's place to be in the kitchen preparing the food, looking after the chores, cleaning the house, and very much in the background. While the men would sit in the front, more obvious room, and that's where they would sit. And actually, ne'er the twain met. There wasn't much interaction between them, except maybe out in the front of the, of the property where the children would play. Mum and dad might be out there with them, or obviously in the marital bedroom. But to see a woman sitting down comfortably with men in that time was absolutely scandalous and it was unheard of. And then to take that a little bit further, you may have heard this before, but a Jewish man would pray every morning, thanking God that he was not born a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. A common saying of the time was that it was better for the Torah to be burned than to be put into the hands of a woman. I'm kind of glad that that's changed. <laughs> but it's into that context that we read this story. It was into the context of women being second class and absolutely not having a place listening to a rabbi speaking. So Martha does what's normal for a woman and she busies herself in the kitchen. But you have Mary. Not only does she go into the room where the men were and be present there, but she's actually sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to the words that he was speaking. So here's where we can look at the two perspectives. The first thing is that Martha is raging that Mary isn't out where she should be, in the kitchen, helping prepare the meal. It was a bit like me on holidays. I can't say I was raging that Joe was sitting outside while I was washing up and preparing things. Um, but I did feel that sense of kind of grumbling going, hmm. <laughs> and so I can understand her frustration. Our lives today are, are they're often similar to this situation with Mary and Martha. We have this longing, well I certainly have this longing and I would hope that it's there in all of us. We have this longing to sit at Jesus' feet and to just spend time with him. But we find that the daily demands of our busy lives distract us from that.
Jesus describes in his response to Martha as the better part, which is the part of sitting and listening to him. Jesus comes into our busy lives. He comes into the middle of what distracts us from spending time with him, and he offers an invitation to us to choose the better part. Yes, all the things that we have in our lives, there are lots of things that we have to do. There are things that are important. We all live busy lives. We have to work. We have to look after family. We have demands from different family members, younger family members, elderly family members. There are a lot of demands in our lives. There are relaxation things we want to do. There's TV programs we want to watch. We, we must keep up with social media. We must watch the latest YouTube clips. Or must we? <laughs> Um, we need to have time to spend with friends. They're all good and worthy things, but they keep us busy. Jesus offers us today, he offers us every day, an invitation to make a choice to come to him, to spend time with him, and he says he will give us rest. I read this quote recently, and it's, it's from a book actually called... Uh, Having a Martha heart. No, having a merry heart in a Martha world. Or was it the other way around? A merry heart in a Martha world. And it says this, the kingdom of God is a paradox. While the world applauds achievement, God desires companionship. The world clamors, do more, be all that you can be. But our Father whispers, be still and know that I am God. We need times of stillness in our lives to plug into the source of our being and to just sit at his feet. It's often thought that Jesus' words to Martha were rebuke, but I don't think so. I think that he spoke fondly to her. And of course, what we don't see because we only have the words, Martha saw his face, and I think Jesus looked fondly to Martha. And yes, Mary had chosen the better part, but Jesus also understood that the practical things had to be done too. And as he so often does, he knew Martha's heart. He knew where she wanted to be, and he was giving her an invitation to stop being distracted, but to sit with him. I wonder where all the, the preparations that she was running about doing, were they absolutely necessary? Was Martha striving, like some of us sometimes do, striving for, for perfection, and putting together a big spread, when just a cup of tea and a sandwich would have been sufficient Jesus knew her heart. He knew where she wanted to be, but all the distractions of preparation were keeping her from that place. He knows our hearts too. He knows that we're distracted. He knows that we're easily distracted by stuff that is very important at the time. But are we so distracted by our distractions that we fail to come to Jesus? I gave that example of my grumbling on holidays very much tongue-in-cheek. I could easily have left the cleaning of the kitchen and sat at Jesus' feet. Joe assures me he would have come and done it later. <laughs> it was my own doing and my own choice, and I just got on with it. And I'm confident that Jesus knew my heart, and he knew, as he knew Martha's heart as well. But there's another perspective. That isn't the only point of the story. In fact, it may not have been Jesus' point at all. We need to go back to the context to see what Jesus was really doing here. As we said, women were treated as second-class citizens. 
and Mary was very much breaking the rules by sitting at Jesus' feet. Tom Wright, in his book, Luke for Everyone, speaks of what is meant by the expression, sitting at someone's feet. I've always thought of that as Mary just sitting there, looking adoringly up at Jesus and hanging on his every word. But that's not what the expression means. The expression means, quite simply, to be a student. And as Tom Wright says, it me to sit at the feet of a rabbi was what you did if you wanted to be a rabbi yourself. Mary has quietly taken her place as a would-be teacher and preacher of the kingdom of God. That's an interesting turn and an interesting, um, I think it's an interesting viewpoint anyway, on the text. That Mary was listening, hanging on his words, sitting at the feet of the rabbi because she wanted to do that herself. What Jesus then does is he affirms her right to take that place. He says Mary has chosen the better part. The gathered group would likely have been shocked. We've seen time and time again in the Gospels that Jesus does things that really surprises the crowd. He does the unexpected and he gives a different way of living. Just like the story of the Good Samaritan, which was radical to the audience at the time, Jesus sends another radical message. Mary was behaving like a man, and instead of rebuking her, Jesus commended her for it. He was redrawing the lines between men and women. All are welcome to the banquet and to sit at his feet. He was breaking their traditions and redrawing the boundaries. So what might this say to us today? Our spiritual lives are a mixture. They're a mixture of being active like Martha, doing all that needs to be done, but also contempl contemplative like Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet and being still, listening for his voice. Both of these are important, but are we choosing the better part? Are we putting other things aside? to allow time to read his word, to talk to him? Are we giving our best in relationship, in our relationship with him? Are we really doing the things that we need to do? Does everything that we do absolutely need to be done? Or is there anything in our lives that we can leave aside to allow more time to hear Jesus' feet, to hear Jesus' feet, to hear Jesus' voice? to sit at his feet. It's all about choice, really. I chose to do the dishes and prepare the breakfast or whatever it was, bustling around the kitchen. I could just so easily have chosen to go and sit and spend time at my Savior's feet. I wonder also, are we prepared to break some of the boundaries that we set up around ourselves? Are we prepared to break those boundaries and do something different in our spiritual lives? That might, it just might not conform with the expectations that we perceive are placed on us. Do you have an expectation in your life that you have to do things a certain way? Are there loads of things that you think are expected that you have to do, whether they be practical things or not? You know, we have to feed our families. We have to look after the home. 
I'm going very much as a woman here, by the way. <laughs> we have to go to work. We have to do our jobs. But are there other expectations that we think are placed on us that we could lay aside that would give us more time? Because I don't know about you, but life just seems to be really busy. I love the summer months because things slow down. But actually, it's a good time for us to think, come September, what are the things that are going to keep us busy again? And do we really need all of those things in our lives? Or are they just distractions that we perceive as things that we have to do? Just some food for thought. This story isn't about comparisons, whether it's better to serve or whether it's better to learn. But it's a story about pointing out what's possible what God wants to be possible for us. It's a story about the fact that even Mary, even a woman, even those we might consider outside of God's grace can imagine themselves as disciples. I wonder, are there even people that we might think, you know, they're not, they're not going to be able to, to follow Jesus' teachings. They're not going to be able to follow what Jesus wants to be done, wants them to do because they are A, B, and C. But certainly in this story, Jesus is breaking the boundaries between men and women, redrawing them, inviting all, all of us, to be part of the feast, to feast at his table, to sit at his feet, and to be part of what he wants for us. So I wonder as you think, of distractions. Maybe you don't have any distractions. Maybe it's all absolutely perfectly working out for you. But for those who have distractions in their lives, for those who have things that they maybe don't need to do, the things that keep you busy that you might be able to set aside, it's just worth taking the time to consider what can you lay aside to give you more time how can you put yourself in a position where you're hearing the voice of Jesus, where you're hearing the Holy Spirit's prompting in your lives, where you're hearing him drawing you to something different, calling you out from where you are? I found myself at one stage, particularly when I was working with Jacob in town, I used to get the Lewis in, and I had loads of time to sit and think and I'd walk across then from Stevens Green uh, into, into work. And I had lots of time on my hands. A lot of my time was talking to Joe Kelly on the phone, but because we'd only just met then. But a lot of the time, I had time to think. I had time to listen. I had time to sit on the Lewis and listen to God's promptings. And often, I would have a Lewis journey, and something would come up in my mind and cause me to start thinking. And, and I would often ring Joe and say, Wait till I tell you what I think the Lord is saying now. And we'd have that conversation. But then I found I started to play those silly little games on the phone. And I'd sit on the phone playing these absolutely mindless things. No sense of achievement at the end of them at all. But I'd be playing these little ball games or boxes or whatever it might be. It wasn't stretching my brain. There are many things you can do to stretch your brain, but they aren't them. Um, and whether I lost the game or not didn't really matter. But what I found after a while was, where has my thinking time gone? 
Another distraction has come into my life, as if my life wasn't busy enough. Now I was even taking away my thinking time, my listening time. So I wonder, are there even small things in your life, in our lives? There are loads I can think of. You might be able to think of something that's distracting you from choosing the better part, from choosing to sit at Jesus' feet. The best thing we can do is choose that better part. The best thing we can do is, as w along with doing what has to be done in life, the best thing we can do is to sit at Jesus' feet, to listen to what he has to say, to give ourselves the time to act, not to just run on to the next thing. And that looks different for each one of us. It's different if you have small children. It's different if you have a pressurized uh, job that you're in that doesn't give you any time. You might have something that you have to do that causes you to travel. Can you use your travel time more wisely? Can you use even your commute into work? Can you use your time with your family to allow yourself to have that time to sit at Jesus' feet? There's an invitation. There's an invitation to all of us today. An invitation to come Come to the water, come to the stream, come to the quiet pasture and sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him, listen to what he has to say and to rid ourselves of some of the distractions that we have responding to that invitation. So that's my encouragement to us today. Not to leave here without making a choice. It would be sad if we actually got up here, walked out the door, and we're straight back into distractions. And please hear me right. I'm not talking about the things that we have to do. There are things we have to do. I'm talking about the added things that we add into our lives that take our time away. So I wonder, as the group, music group could come back up again, it would be great, um, and we go in to sing the next song. I'd actually like to give an opportunity for people. If, if anything I've said, and this isn't a reflection on what I've said, this is a reflection on what the Lord might be doing, what the Holy Spirit might be doing in your heart. But if anything that you've heard this morning, either through, through my words or through the promptings within you, um, I often feel that when you feel there's a need for a change, that actually taking a step and doing something physical uh, helps. So if anybody wants to respond during this song, I'm going to stay at the front, and maybe Debbie would come up and join me, but I'm going to stay at the front. If anybody wants to just even walk up briefly as a reflection of what's going on in your heart, and that step up to the front is saying, I want to make a change. I want to do something different. I want to align my life in a better way that allows me to sit at the Master's feet and to listen to him. Take that step up, and Debbie and I will just briefly pray with you if that's what you want. But if not, just come and stand as a statement to yourself. Nobody's going to pay any attention to you. Just come up as a response as we sing the next hymn. Or hymn. I'm still in the other service, the next song, sorry. <laughs>
Um, and as it says there, I think during this, uh, there is an offering going to be taken. If you've come up the front and miss the baskets, you can pop it in later. Um, but I just urge you to take a moment and think, if making a step, if there's something that's prompted in you, make a step, do something physical, just walk up the front, Debbie and I will pray with you, and then um, we'll carry on from there. So Holy Spirit, as we sing this morning, as we listen, as we listen to your voice, as we listen to your prompting, we pray, Lord, that you will open our hearts, open our minds, and show us the better, the better part, the better way.